Hey guys, it's the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. Uh, this week, Maya and Alex Shubutani, better known as the Shib Sibs. They just won the bronze a few weeks ago in ice dancing in Pyeongchang. And our senior editor, Emil Stonic, uh, who, who got Olympic fever bad. Like, we barely even saw him at work. He had the fever so bad for a couple weeks. Uh, he talks with the brother and sister about how they train what it was like to hang out in the Olympic Village, and their favorite restaurants to eat at when they travel. After that, food director Carla Lolly Music and digital director Carrie Paulus discuss wedding registries because, yes, it's that time of year. We're creeping up on wedding season, uh, and we've gotten a ton of inquiries in our podcast inbox, which is Bon Appetit Foodcast at gmail.com. Again, Bon Appetit Foodcast at gmail.com. And if I may just take a little aside here, always email us. Uh, let us know about topics you want to hear about on the podcast, what you're liking, what you're not liking. Uh, we get a lot of ideas from you guys. So uh, keep the inbox full. So, anyways, yes, wedding registries. Uh, they talk to you about what pots and pans and Dutch ovens and tools and accessories and appliances you should be registering for when you get married. Uh, and yes, shockingly, they have some strong opinion about wine glasses, platters, and more. All right, let's do this. Here is a meal with the Shib Sibs. Maya, Alex, guys, it is a. I just need you to know this one thing about me first, which is that I'm like the office Olympic obsessive, and that was like what I was like living, breathing, eating, drinking for just a. a the entirety of uh, the Olympic Games. So we heard about the cookies that you brought in with the Olympic rings. Uh, <laughs> on them. I didn't have any time to bake. I couldn't <laughs> bake cookies. I wasn't cooking. I wasn't doing it. I was just like on the couch with like a projector screen, like of the Olympics, and just like lying there, like drooling the entire time. <laughs> so it is a dream to be here with you guys. Um, I was ready to fight any other editor who wanted to do this interview, um, and maybe I did. I don't know. Well, Thank you for having us. Yeah, hopefully it didn't come to that. Yeah, no, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't that great. So you guys just got got in off a red eye from L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, you were just talking about the uh, the John and Vinny's food you had on on Delta beforehand, which sounds like it wasn't that bad. It was yeah, good. red eyes typically tend to be um, difficult experiences, but <laughs> we were luckily upgraded on the flight over from LAX. Bingo! And when I opened the menu, or when it was presented to me, I was not in the best of moods. It was <laughs> I was tired. You were ready to sleep. I was ready to sleep. <laughs> And I see, uh, you know, this meal on this flight is, um, you know, prepared by John and Vinny. Mm-hmm. And actually, we had tried to get a table when we were in L.A. at John and Vil- Vinny's, the pizza spot. Uh-huh. Earlier in the week, and we weren't able to get in. Apparently a tough table to get. Wait, Olympic athletes also have We don't use th- that card. You don't use that card? <laughs> no. This is like no. one of those, like, people, the stars are just like us. Like, they can't get a reservation at John mm-hmm. and Vinny's. Yeah, this is one of those. Yeah. Um, so... We just kind of smiled at each other and we're like, okay, well, this is this is nice. We're getting to experience this now, and it's okay if we don't sleep as long. We're gonna eat this. Yeah, I one time got uh, got upgraded. I was like flying from Hong Kong to New York, and I got upgraded to business class. I actually have no idea why that happened, but the food was so good. And then they like you know dim the lights and try to get you to sleep, and it was like the the seat that goes all the way back. But then I saw that they had a late night menu. Oh no! And I was like, I set an alarm for three hours later so I could get up and have fishball soup because I was just like, what's it gonna be like? I You've can't never not been try more it. diligent about an alarm. Yeah, no, and seriously. Was it worth it? Oh yeah, it was very good. You know, it was surprising that the Chinese broccoli was still like nice and fresh and crunchy. I was just like, how do they do it? I just feel so like expectations up. are a little bit low. 
when you get on a plane. So you're ready to be surprised and amazed. Yeah, that's also accurate. That's also accurate. So, you know, like these, I feel like this is kind of like a classic, like lay person asking athletes questions about food. But like, you know, to me as a person with no athletic ability, no athletic inclination, the thing that seems really exciting about training and working out for hours and hours and hours every day is like how much you get to eat. But also, you know, I I was reading some interviews with you guys and it did sound like it was a lot of like brown rice, steamed vegetables, chicken. Salmon, don't forget salmon. Don't forget salmon. Um, So like, I get it that that's like, the food becomes kind of a struggle. You're just trying to like feed feed the beast. Mm -hmm. But also like, I'm wondering when you're sitting down to the chicken and the brown rice and the steamed vegetables, like what do you wish you were eating? Like what is the thing that you're like, you're just closing your eyes and imagining it's like mac and cheese or you're imagining it's like a big steak with like, you know, beautiful sauce on it. I hope there's mac and cheese and steak somewhere in this room because otherwise (laughs) this is just cruel. (laughs) When we're training, Alex, you always look through Instagram, right? You're always looking at photos of food that you wish you could be having. Yeah, you know the Explore page on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Some people have like sports or cars or models or fashion, stuff like that. It's like, fried chicken sandwiches for me. It's scary <laughs> how often there aren't people on my explore page and it's just, it's just food. food. Yeah. So uh, every food account I pretty much am, you know, very linked into. You can just put on some like VR, you know, <laughs> a, like VR set and just like eat, you know, eat your salmon and then just imagine it, imagine a fried chicken sandwich. That would be next level. Maybe I can take that step. Yeah. But what do you, so what do Heading you do? Heading into the Olympics, I feel like I was at peace with the fact that I had my routine and it was okay. Like, I'm not going to envision wanting more, but now I'm kind of just open for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's kind of that, like when you're performing at a certain level, it's like Obama only wearing like black and blue suits, you know, and like alternating every day. You're like, don't have any bandwidth for like decisions, even about things that are like kind of pleasurable, like what you're going to eat or what kind of clothes you're going to wear. You're just like, I can't make any, I got to save those decisions for the ice. So it is two part. I mean, I think that it is important that we maintain kind of a uniform structure to our food because we're Mm -hmm. primarily eating so that we feel good when we're practicing and competing. And you want to build that system that you're used to that you can hopefully duplicate at a competition like the Olympics. Totally. And so it's salmon and chicken and brown rice and broccoli or bok choy or something pretty much every night. But we do realize that overall happiness plays a major role in the psychology of anything that you do, whether it be sport or work. And so to deny yourself something that you do really want, everything in moderation is pretty much what we, well, not everything, Never mind. I think (laughs) there's one other thing that I want to mention. I'm going to call this the Phelps phenomenon. All right. I'm looking forward to hearing this. When Michael Phelps first burst onto the scene, I think the media kind of picked up on the fact that he was well known for eating lots and lots and lots of food. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was if that was exaggerated at the time, but because all athletes are different and not every sport requires the same amount of caloric intake, we do not prescribe to the Phelps, uh, you know, I don't know what it was like. This is an over-exaggeration just for over-exaggeration's sake, like 30,000 calorie (laughs) diet. So much pasta and pancakes or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. Doing like doing butterfly is like slightly, a slightly different in terms of like the way that you're expending energy. Correct. Yeah. Well, so, so, I mean, I get this idea that you have to, you know, kind of having that, that consistency in the food that you're like, oh, I don't want to like 
eat something weird that seems exciting and then like, you know, lose a day of practice because you just like feel a little off or you feel tired. But how, so you guys, but you guys have been skating for so long and so long together and since you were so young, like what was it like eating like in your house growing up when you guys are still practicing a lot and, you know, also growing and are you coming home and are, are your parents kind of like cooking food to kind of cater to you as athletes or is it kind of like whatever they were already cooking? What was that like? It's really transitioned just as we've moved through our career. Alex and I have been skating together for 14 years, but before we started skating together, family dinner was a huge part of what we did. So either our mom or our dad would cook and it was just so much variety and we always spent hours at the table together. But then as our training started to get more serious, I'd definitely say we learned more about nutrition and timing of food and then also just what would properly fuel our bodies. Right, it becomes like less intuitive and kind of this like, you know, organic experience and more like decided. Definitely. I think just the amount of knowledge that athletes are able to access on sports science and nutrition, when you have that information, of course, it would be wise to utilize it. Uh, And everyone's different, obviously, but we've definitely taken steps to make sure that we're getting the most out of every hour that we're on the ice and whatever we need to do to prepare for that, we're gonna do. Right, were there any meals growing up that your parents would make that are like really nostalgic that really stand out or things that if you you know are hanging out with them now that you like really you want them to cook dad made really good eggplant parm Mm. right yeah dad makes really good eggplant parm uh he would go on a business trip every once in a while to new orleans Mm -hmm. and uh, he would bring back back the cafe du monde uh beignet mixes mixes. and so that was like a sunday morning tradition that once we really started hitting the ice hard though we're like maybe we have to stop because doing this every weekend (laughs) yeah it was literally a a weekend tradition he would stock up and like pack a suitcase with multiple boxes that's amazing so he would mix it and he would deep fry it and everything yeah and much to our mother's our mom's chagrin like you know dad gets in the kitchen and like every pan is utilized (laughs) it's like an hour and a half long cleanup process but that was okay for Sundays. And then our mom made a really good mushroom pasta. Yeah, and she also does uh, salmon on croute. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean. Wow. Sounds very, like, that's really impressive. It sounds very, like, Frenchy, the, like, all the, the real, like, classic Le Cordon Bleu sort of stuff. Interestingly enough, I guess, I mean, you know, our heritage is Japanese, mm-hmm. um, and so we, you know, have done some traditional, like, Japanese foods growing up, mm-hmm. but um, that was maybe more of our grandma who would do, like, you know, tempura, again, Mm-hmm. utilizing the fryer uh, right. <laughs> and our mom worried about splatter and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, those are the ones that stick out. Yeah, that's amazing. I know we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but you know, you're in Korea, you're at the Olympics, you're not eating, you're not like going out every night, like, and exploring and trying out new restaurants. You're kind of like stuck in the, stuck in the Olympic village. I'm curious to know what is the Olympic cafeteria really like? Like what, you know, is it, you're there, there are all these other athletes there. I just kind of like imagine it being like at like a college cafeteria, except everybody, instead of being like some hungover teenager is actually like an athlete at the peak of their like performance, just Mm -hmm. kind of like casually like walking around with a tray with juice on it. Like what's, what's the scene like? First of all, I guess um, there is not just one athlete's village cafeteria because there are two separate villages there's a village in the mountains for sliding sports bobsledders luge skeleton and skiers and snowboarders and then there's and cross-country skiers but there is the village that we were staying at which was for the ice sports so hockey players figure skaters uh curlers speed skaters curlers of course and so 
the type of athlete that is at those, you know, villages depends on like what you see people eating. Right. Um, but by and large, it's open 24 hours a day. Okay. And so they are having to make and prepare a lot of food for a lot of hungry athletes. We developed a routine where um, there was a McDonald's um, <laughs> at the Olympics, and we preferred the uh, egg from the Egg McMuffin for breakfast. Uh, and so we would take the egg, and then I'd eat Maya's, you know, the muffin part uh, and the sausage. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. So you would go to McDonald's. You would get a couple of Egg McMuffins. You would take the egg out, eat that. You would eat the egg, the egg your mm-hmm. egg, and mm-hmm. two muffins. Yes. And that was the that We was had a good routine. system. Yeah. We realized that they were making them fresh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't eat McDonald's regularly at home. But, um, you know, that was just kind of the decision that we made. And I have no qualms about it because it worked out really great. Yes, seriously. <laughs> Wait, did you have, a, did you, this was every morning? Did you have this before the day of the Pretty finals? Pretty much every morning, I'd say, because when I'm at home in the morning, I always have an egg and grapefruit juice and things like that. So we were trying to make it as close to as home as possible. Wow. And we do bring food with us when we compete abroad. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that we do is like we bring camping food, like freeze dried food. Oh, okay. Um, in case the schedule is, you know, such that we get back from our competition very, very late in the night. And then the next morning we have an early practice and food service is closed, for right. example. And not the case of the Olympics, but um, to be able to have that flexibility to get the food that you really need when you need it the most. But the cafeteria is really one of the best places at the Olympics because everyone's always coming through at different times, so you can really get a chance to meet other athletes. You see everyone in one place with all the different countries' jackets and, you know, apparel. And, um, you know, at first I think people tend to sort of sit with their teammates. Right. But as the games progress and once people finish their competition, I think it loosens up a little bit more. Totally. That makes sense. Walking around the cafeteria, do you ever like look at other people's trays, like trying to see like what they're eating, like how they're performing? (laughs) Like, is you know, like maybe that guy with like the giant stack of pancakes and like a quart of grapefruit juice is onto something? Like, is there ever any you know, are you ever like checking other people's stuff out? I will say that through experience, what we learned this was our second Olympic Games, right? Um, there's not as much practice time available for any of the disciplines, especially for figure skating. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a lot of time where you are able to socialize with other athletes and the best place to do that is the cafeteria. And so what I found myself having to do this time was not go up for like seconds and thirds because at home I only prepare as much as I need. Um, But when you're having a great conversation with an athlete that you just met. Or they just walk in, you're like, oh yeah, I'll go up again with you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's like, are you leaving? No, 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 I'll stay. Like, let's talk. Let's hang out. I'll get, you know, two more pieces of chicken and more rice. And, you know. But like Alex was saying, the cafeteria is so great because when you walk in, normally you hang out with athletes from your own sport. But then as time progresses, you start spending time with athletes from different sports and then other countries. And it's just a really unique way to get to know more people. I feel like we ate a majority of our meals with our women's hockey team. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'd like to think that we are honorary members of that women's hockey team. (laughs) Do you ever skate with them? Not yet. We haven't. We uh, might... We were going to pitch a video idea for our YouTube channel where I, we put on hockey skates. I've never yeah. worn hockey skates, so that would be really fun. What is the – see, I feel like I like want to nerd out about this, but I'm mm-hmm. also like, are people going to get mad if I'm not talking about food? What's no, the no, we can hockey skates? And, they can cut this later. No, 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 no. Later. We can make this about food. I can twist it. Don't Fantastic. worry. Let's keep going down this path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hockey skates, figure skating skates, what's the difference? 
Or is and there's is there a difference between figure skating skates and ice dancing skates? Okay, so say you have okay. a stake that's resting. Okay. You would rather use a figure skate to cut that skate. Wait, you would <laughs> rather use a figure skate. Figure state. A figure skate. Oh, no, you did it. Oh. <laughs> a figure skate. You would rather use a figure skate to cut the stake right. than a hockey skate in my opinion. Unless, of course, it wasn't prepared well and the meat is tougher, in which case the lighter hockey skate might be a little bit easier on the arms. Oh, the hockey skate is lighter. Yes, right? Well, I've never worn them, but that's oh, okay. what you said. Yeah, they are, because I think they're predominantly <laughs> like, more plastic and carbon fiber. Oh. And figure skates are more of like a heavier leather base. They tend to be that. And then okay. also with the blades, figure skates have a topic. Hockey skates don't. So you have that serrated edge. Oh, okay. So okay. it maybe is more versatile as a kitchen utensil. Like kitchen maybe you get yeah. to a yeah. spot that's like a little bit tougher, mm -hmm. like a little gristly. You just need that use the serration. Yeah. 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 Use the toe pick. <laughs> wow, yeah, you guys should have like, that would be great if you just like set out a bunch of stakes on the ice and you're just skating towards them and just like, you know, jump just <laughs> enough so you can slice them into pieces, <laughs> keep going back and forth. That's that's an idea for the YouTube we'll, channel. Just we'll saying. put you on there as a producer. Okay, cool. I've never produced a video before, but I, I bet I can do it. You have a bright future. I just oh, feel it. Oh my gosh. Well, so going back to the Olympic cafeteria thing for a second, you know, I know that for people who for people who work in food, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier too, it's like you often when you find yourself out to dinner, say with like other people who are in the industry who kind of like get it, you know, the way that you like to eat, like that kind of thing, it's it feels like a real joy because nobody's like weirded out when you're like, oh yeah, we're just gonna order a burger for the table. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, we ordered all of the appetizers, you know, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Do you ever feel that way when you're, I mean, do you ever get to go out with other Olympic athletes? And and if you do, does it feel, do you have that same sort of like camaraderie like around food? Like you, you're like, we, we get each other. I would say that um, the, what makes the Olympics so special is that it really is the rare opportunity that we have to connect with friends from different sports who are on different schedules from us, different live in different places. Uh, but you're right. Once competition is over, or if we happen to run into a friend of ours in a city that we happen to be in, uh, we do share the passion for indulging in our favorite um, kind of cheap meals. Right. Yeah. And even if we don't get to go together, we're really good about sharing places and spots that we find. Like we went to this really amazing ramen place in Nagoya that a speed skater suggested to us. Yeah, so J.R. Selsky is a short track speed skater on the 2000, he was on the 2018 team as well as the 2014 team. Uh, and we met him in Sochi at uh, the last Olympic games. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking like, where do you guys travel? Oh, we travel to some of the same places. Oh, in Nagoya, you gotta check out this ramen place that's in one of the train stations. And he gave me very like, not Yelp friendly, like, directions on how to get there. It was like, there's this steeple thing, you walk inside. Go down go, the stairs, it looks like there's nothing, but keep going. Yeah, like <laughs> trust your instincts. Uh, and we tried it and it was great. And that was one of our, you know, one of several food experiences that we've shared with other athletes just based on, you know, traveling to the same place and not being there together, but sharing that food information. Totally, totally. Well, so it sounds like you guys are Tra traveling all the time you're on this like big media tour right now new york la all you know all over the country Are, do you have specific places that you you really love to eat like cities that you're really looking forward to going to just because you have like some bucket list meals 
Well, New York and LA has been primarily where we are right now. Mm -hmm. um, so we're always open to recommendations. And actually we do um, sort of source that information using social media. And so mm -hmm. if we say like, oh, we're gonna be in LA, like where do we eat? We've gotten a little more familiar with LA. Uh, and so we really like Koreatown mm -hmm. um, just for the diversity of options in that particular spot or you know s section of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You know, we've done the Grand Central Market uh, in New York. Uh, we don't have as much familiarity with the food scene out here, but we did go to a really, really good Japanese restaurant last night in the East Village. Ooh, which one? Uh, it's called so Sobaya. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they so have, like, good. cold soba and mm. hot soba, and it was, it was amazing. They're, like, making it right there. There's the guy when you walk in. Yeah, and one of the things that we do is we do like to share the places that we go because our supporters and our fans realize that we travel a lot. And right. so they're interested in seeing what we like to eat and they know that when we're eating something special it's a real treat well so what speaking of which what happened to the sib ship shib sibs suggest hashtag uh -huh. which we were we were looking at and i was like saw that you guys hadn't posted for a while but it was like you know re your recommendations for places to eat mm -hmm. it's a good great hashtag but you haven't posted since 2016 what happened I think I've been posting more recently, or maybe it just hasn't been a um, consistent inclusion of mm. the ship sib suggest hashtag, mm -hmm. but check that out. Um, I think that we will be continuing to add to it. We'll uh, keep working on it. Food is a really important thing to us, so much to the fact that I have a, um, what do they call it? An Instagram story archive of just like oh, Not eats. archive, I think you can save different things, You can save right? stories, and I have a category just that's food. You guys, you guys are based in Ann Arbor. Yes. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. How long have you guys been there? Because you the went, past both went to school years. There. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 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 And went to school is a. Um, we attended. A way to put it. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we, you know, we both went to high school in Ann Arbor, uh -huh. uh, and then entered University of Michigan. Obviously, at different times, and three and a half years mm -hmm. older than Maya. Uh, she probably could have been in my grade, though, given how smart. No. <laughs> uh, you too. But we realized we realized that. Um, we wanted to take our training to another level, mm -hmm. and it, it definitely paid off, but that was sort of, you know, education's really important, and we can continue our education now that the games are over. But right. following 2014 and our first Olympics, we decided to focus more on our training and just being really extra invested with the process and the amount of time that it took to just reach the level that we wanted to. Totally, totally. Now, Ann Arbor is like a kind of a fun food town. Do you guys have any spots that you really like to go to there? Or do, or do you get to cook at all while you're in Ann Arbor when you're at home? We definitely cook a lot more, but it's the basic chicken and salmon. Right. Hopefully we'll have time to do more. But the food scene in Ann Arbor is really great now. There's the classic Zingerman's everything, deli, roadhouse. I was going to ask you about Zingerman's. Do you guys have a favorite sandwich? Um, I like Tarb's Tenacious Tenure. I don't know what number that is, but what it's a turkey sandwich with, I believe, like coleslaw and Russian dressing mm. on like whole grain. Maybe it's rye bread. Uh, that one's really good. I think that's my go-to. Oh, and they do everything. So they do like Rubens and stuff like that as well. Yeah. And the grilled cheese. I mean, that's worth mentioning. Maya loves grilled cheese. I think the hack that what we've realized is if you go to any establishment or even like a really nice restaurant, try to order off the kids menu and get <laughs> a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> uh, you should tell um, him about the what happened this weekend, actually. It's kind of funny. This weekend? It was or uh, last weekend. Last, last weekend. weekend. So yeah. we were in Los Angeles, and we had the amazing opportunity to go to some of the Oscars parties. Oh, hell And yeah. so we were at one of the pre-Oscar events, and, well, you are part of this story. Who pulled you aside at the door? Uh, Kumail Nanjiani, 
um, and I connected over Twitter during the games, and he was so nice. He and Emily, his wife Emily, were so friendly and welcoming and kind of knew probably that we were a little uncomfortable uh-huh. just being like in a new environment, first day of school type feeling. Totally. Uh, and he introduced us to everyone that walked in the door within a 15-minute range of time uh, one of those people was John Favreau uh-huh. and Maya I was like that grilled <laughs> cheese scene though like oh. in chef, <laughs> in chef. <laughs> we saw that uh, I think Maya saw it did you see it in theaters I think so and I saw it on a plane just like that crunch of the mm. the night of should have used a skate blade but you know we, we've too. already gone over that and i never imagined that i'd be able to compliment him on that scene in person and he's but. done so much that it was c- probably kind of weird that like you picked out one very specific <laughs> scene <laughs> from <laughs> chef and the grilled cheese scene but understandable i mean that's the thing that's great about ordering like a grilled cheese from a place like zingerman's is like it's like the best bread the best cheese you know you can't go wrong mm-hmm. what's your other like if it's not grilled cheese, what's your food that you really go for? Hmm. Um, like you can't turn it down. Can't turn it down? I'm really into dessert. So it's in New York. There's this chocolate cake that I really want to have. While that, we're here, right? Yeah, we didn't have time last time. Where? Blue Smoke. Blue Smoke? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the chocolate cake? What, what is it Everyone about goes for the barbecue, cake? which uh-huh. I totally understand and appreciate, but this chocolate cake is just so amazing so we're gonna have to make a pit stop there so amazing that we were in new york last year and she made us walk like six blocks because she realized we were in the vicinity we were somewhat close and she got carry out chocolate cake that's how that's how much she loves it incredible well i won't keep you guys from your chocolate cake (laughs) any longer thank you guys so much for coming on the food cast it's been a, a real dream thank you uh we listen we are listeners so it's awesome to be here Carrie, Carla, I read a very interesting statistic yesterday or the day before, and it was about you. Oh. And I think it was that in the past five years, you've gone to more than 25 weddings. Do I have this correct? Yes. I couldn't get the exact count, but I feel a little bit like Catherine Heigl in 27 Dresses, (laughs) except that my friends are maybe cooler than hers because they don't make you wear those horrible bridesmaids dress outfits. So you've been at weddings, you've been in weddings, you've gone to weddings, you've traveled. Yes, I've had a wedding, all of it. <laughs> all all of the ranges of weddings I have attended. And is the season still stacked between like May and September? It's starting to slow down. Um, I feel like this is an appropriate time to reveal my age, which is 32. So I'm like right at the cusp of now it's really like getting into baby zone. Right. Um, But still, like, I think we have, my husband and I have four weddings this year and that feels light. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're at different phases of our life, you and I, um, because I'm at the age when um, our friends who got married are now starting to split up, some of them. Okay. I've been ma- I personally have been married for this year will be 19 and instead of um, attending a lot of weddings lately I've been um, purchasing a lot of bar and bat mitzvah gifts because we are in that phase of life where the child it's basically like he's going to a wedding you know like one a month. As someone who also attended a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs in the day, as well as had one, many thoughts on this as well. <laughs> so that is maybe a good segue because um, one of the things I learned from my child is that the 
kid who's having the bar bat mitzvah actually does not want you to give them cash because their parents take it away. They want gift cards. Oh. Yeah. Okay. This has evolved since I was 13. Yeah. Where I think... I think the rule was I got to keep some and then the rest would go to my college fund. But yeah. right, if I was given an actual gift, like a necklace or something, of course I'd keep They that. weren't going to like make you pawn it for cash. No. Okay. So, <laughs> so two things. Well, one is that not as many people are getting married at in my, I'm, and I'll reveal my age now. I'm 45. Women, we should just own it. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. Okay. So when you arrive in your 40s, there are fewer people getting married and it's also been a longer amount of time since I myself went through the registry thing so I can remember a few years ago being in Bloomingdale's or Macy's like something dumb buying a mattress cover and there was a couple and they were going around the store with the little gun and they were zapping everything and I was Mm -hmm. like that's so cool like we had to write stuff down on paper the stuff we wanted Um, and just all of the websites that are you can have your registry but it can be sourced from multiple retailers online Mm -hmm. like it seems like kind of fun yeah and I have to say I feel like the zap is not as common as it once was because Mm. you can just click so many things online but I agree like the gun is kind of cool right see that's how out of it I am I'm still like ooh, the zapper is cool and you're like every nobody even zaps anymore you you can zap there's an (laughs) option to zap okay so when you were embarking on your own like mission and your own world of registering 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 you're setting up a registry you're registering registering (laughs) (laughs) registering for your registry did you from the beginning say I'm I'm going to do this I refuse to do that okay yes so I think we should start with the fact that I think there's an acknowledgement that registries are not for everyone that is totally understandable. Weddings aren't for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Not not trying to, to espouse a certain belief set that doesn't work for you and your partner. But if you decide to go to the registry route, if, for example, you have a mother and lots of relatives that are perhaps quite insistent on it. Um, and are constantly asking you when it will be ready. Yes. Yeah. Then I understand. I, I have lived that. Um, and I also... I do support the idea of a registry. I think people really do want to give you a gift for your wedding, and they like the idea that they're going to buy you something that you want. It, that you it want sort of takes and, the guessing and, game out of and it. And hopefully that you need. Yes. Yes. Which is, I think, where registries get complicated, because a lot of people tend to get excited by the idea of like, oh, I can just pick a bunch of stuff and people will get it for me, which is true and amazing and so wonderful to have that family and friends to support you. But One, like my chief rule when I was registering and things that I've told my friends since is your life doesn't change just because you get married. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't make homemade pasta by hand as a single person, you're not going to suddenly do that all the time just because you get married. Right. So when choosing things on your registry, it's very important to choose things that you will actually use and maybe not too many that you just aspire to use in some sort of best version of yourself that you know maybe isn't ever going to happen. Right. Or the fantasy movie version of what happens after you get married. Right. Yeah. Right. This is actually a thing that, you know, Bon Appetit is not necessarily in the wedding business, but our readers want this. We have gotten a lot of questions in our podcast inbox asking 
what kind of things people should register for. So let's focus on kitchen because we're assuming our Bon Appetit listeners are cooks and they're so they're pretty excited about the gadgets and the appliances and the things. And I will say as the person, as the 45 year old aforementioned person who's been married for 19 years, there are things in my kitchen that I touch and use on a daily basis that we got when we got married. And I will tell you what they are. Great. We got a brawn stick blender. I already had one, but I support it. Still using it. Yes. 20 years. And they like stopped making the model that I have a couple years ago. And it was like, you couldn't get it anymore. It's like that thing, it's lasted forever. And it even came with the little spice attachment. That's like a mini Cuisinart that you can undo the, the bottom of the wand and like put the top on. And the other day, I can't remember what I was making, but it was some like dried spice thing. And I think I had ginger and lemongrass and that blade, it's been the same blade for 19 years and the little mini chopper. And I said to my husband, if this doesn't work, this, this thing is going in the garbage. Cause like, this is the final test. Like if it can't, if it can't pulverize this ginger, I'm going to say goodbye to it today. And lo and behold, I had a beautiful little curry spice mix. And I was like, you little spice chopper, you get to continue living with us. And also whoever got you that gift, like not terribly expensive. Like no, a great it was 30. Gift. Well, then it was like it was I think it was one of the lower price things on the registry, which is maybe a good thing to have. Like you want to have a range and not have there's nothing worse than going to a registry and being like, cool. So my minimum buy in here is a five hundred dollar like set of crystal glasses. Yes, and I think you can probably assume that guests at your wedding probably have very different financial statuses. I mean, we had people that could afford a lot and people that it was wonderful that they could even come. And it's so great to ha- like, yeah, have a space for and everyone like said, and not pe- make people feel uncomfortable. And people want to give a gift, you know, so that's like having something there. It's the same with baby registries. Um, so we got the stick blender, um, two all-clad saucepans. One is like the two-quart size, which has rounded like a rounded bottom, but yes. it's really little. Yes. Love that thing. And then maybe a three quart with straight sides, but it's just the, you know, the all clad, like stainless, professional, whatever line it was. They have a million different lines. Use those constantly. And I got. Um, wait, wait, can we talk about. I have a lot yeah, of Yeah, let's on talk this. about saucepans. So both of those sound great. I did something similar where I had a three quart rounded one and I think a, a four quart maybe also three quart wide bottom like you know do what works for you but I think what this shows is that what you don't necessarily need is the full pan set well I mean never tell anyone to get the full pan set but I think that's something that people are especially inclined to do on registries because it's like oh it's just one fell swoop and you can get the whole deal however it's best to choose the few individual pieces that you think you're going to be using all and the time. And that also brings down the sticker price, so then you have a range. So if you register for like the 10-piece all-clad set, that's like many, many hundreds of dollars. Or if you break it up into, I really want a 10-inch skillet, and I really want an eight-quart stockpot. And, you know, they also count the lids as pieces in the 10-piece. Like three of those pieces are lids. Huh. Yeah. I have thoughts on lids, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. And then we also got, I, I wanted a KitchenAid stand mixer. Absolutely. That's in, like, in the, that is number one, number one registry gift. Like that was the one thing that my mom was super excited to buy me because her mom bought it for her. And I just was 
Yes. What always. color did you get? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so color. I got a dark green, but not too dark, which feels like it's something that works for my kitchen now and could work for kitchens that don't exist, but could be in my future. Okay. I was very tempted to get a beautiful cornflower blue, which listeners, if that's where you decide to go, I love that color, but was concerned of how it would stand in the test of time. Mm -hmm. So instead I went a little more conservative and chose a color, but something that wouldn't wouldn't really go out of style or particularly in style at any point. Yeah, and kind of goes with a lot of decor. Yeah. Does your KitchenAid stand mixer stand on the counter? It does. Yeah. It's because some people have like places where they go put their stand mixer behind closed doors. Yeah. I don't I don't live in that kind of kitchen, but maybe someday. I I'm, I just don't have the space to not have it on my counter. Right. Like I don't have the storage exactly. space. Exactly. So I look you look so you're going to look at it every day. Mm-hmm. So don't I don't know. There's a lot of colors out there. There's a lot of finishes. There's matte things now. There's metallics. Did you go with the crank-sided one or the top that flips up? I went for the top that flips up solely because that's what my mom had. So that's like what I grew up baking with as a kid. And I grew up with the crank, so I got the crank. But mine is white. I don't even know how the crank works, actually. It's just like a lever that kind of, it just lifts up and it's like on a track, you know? Oh. And, And why did you go for white? Same yeah. same kind of thinking. I think I was very tempted. I love red. Red is one of my favorite colors. If I, I love the days when I have a red shoe on and I look down and I see my red shoes. They just like bring me so much joy. And so it's always been a color that I'm like really drawn to. My Le Creuset, which like also I had nothing. And but I grew up in the household with the flame color mm-hmm. Le Creuset. So that when I started getting my own I was like, I wanted to be in that world. I had a hand-me-down of my mom's, which I still have. Anyway, so I was very tempted with like going for the flame and hot KitchenAid, but I kind of knew that it's a lot to look at every day. Yeah. So I just went, my mom had the white one. I got the white one. I have no regrets. They had matte black for a while. There's really cool colors. Yeah, the the matte is something they've been really pushing the past few years, and yeah. I really like those, too. Yeah. I think they're cool. It's like matte lipstick, yeah. matte KitchenAids. Matte, I feel like Le Creuset has mattes. They do. Yeah. They do. They're, they're cool, but they feel weird. Okay. Anyway. Okay, so you would definitely recommend the KitchenAid. Yes. You're, we're going individual pots and pans. Yes. And then what is the best? Like, I was filling in. I had already amass like my own kind of set of basics which I also still use and I got those when I graduated from college Mm -hmm. so I had an eight quart I had a four quart I had a eight inch skillet I had a cast iron so the those like special size saucepans felt like filling in Mm -hmm. I didn't have the KitchenAid I got a Cuisinart the hand blender and I still use them all yeah so if you are starting from scratch or if you're merging with someone else's you know if you're moving in together and then like deciding what you have duplicates of and what to get rid of how do people know what to where to start so I'd say generally if you already have a version of something you knew you already use think about if it's worth an upgrade or not I'm sure we all had various college hand-me-downs or first second apartment stuff that you've just sort of absorbed from past roommates or whatever. And I'm sure the pans work great. And if you love them and they're important to you, please keep them. If they're not, get a nicer version. Once again, people actually do want to get you something. So it is the time to 
to upgrade to the all-clad if before you you had kind of a IKEA version or, or another no-name version. It doesn't always mean that more expensive is better, but when it comes to pans that are supposed to last decades, often you do want to go with some kind of timeless known brands. Totally. I think timeless known brands and then also timeless um, materials. So if, you know, if the registry is like the marriage itself, maybe, you know, it's really exciting at the beginning, but over time what matters is like just keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. Same goes for your pots and pans. <laughs> so like Le Creuset and Staub have lifetime warranties. And that I have actually taken advantage of that with my Creuset that like got a crack in it. They were amazing. But that is like for life. Cast iron pots and pans. Maybe not the sexiest thing, but you know what? Marriage also is not necessarily the sexiest thing. And they're such workhorses, those <laughs> cast iron pans. You just want a marriage that lasts, people. Like your lodge cast iron. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah. You know, like you might go through some periods with that pan where like, it gets rusty yeah. or maybe there was something that was like really stuck on there and you had to really get in there with like steel wool, you know, you got to reseason it sometimes. You got to reseason. You got to remember to do that. You got to maintain it. And then like, it will give you a lifetime of love Yeah, and meals. Yeah. So I didn't really ever think about this, but the, the things you register for, like if you're getting a lot of you know, delicate crystal glasses or those really, those water glasses that are so beautiful to look at, but they're like paper thin, you look at them wrong and they shatter. May not your marriage shatter with the side eye glance of a (laughs) a person (laughs) looking at a a really fancy glass. So I really want to keep this metaphor going, (laughs) but I also want to say that when it comes to glassware, I actually kept our ikea glasses for you that did. we had water glasses they've worked for years with water glasses and wine glasses you can get really nice top of the line stuff i don't yeah need that so that what was about something. stemware though stemware was the same for me i'm happy with my white wine and red wine glasses that were from ikea i would break things no matter how much they cost yep. so i'm just i know that about me and i'm just that's not where i'm going to put my money similarly did not register for china one do not have the space. Yeah. Two, that's just like not how I eat and die. And like yeah. that is just like, it feels a little too fancy for me. Yeah. So I got some ceramic plates from Heath that I really love. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And those aren't cheap either. No, so that's no, like they a were great still nice. time to invest in, in that or yeah. have someone else invest in it. Again, ceramic. It lasts a lifetime. Those things have been through a kiln, you mm-hmm. know, they're going to like <laughs> stand up. to it um we did register for stemware and i'm glad that we did we still have a lot of we still have almost a complete set Mm -hmm. didn't go crazy with like when you go in to register and you're like we're looking at you know wine glasses it's really overwhelming that's like a category where you know the burgundy glass and then this glass and the barolo glass and Mm -hmm. the the stemless one and the riesling and the and it's like too much you know you well, can it's really like, do you drink a lot of burgundy now right do you plan to drink a lot of burgundy in your future right. if not don't get the burgundy do you have glass. a dishwasher that can hold giant balloon glasses like no do you want to be washing those by hand so we ended up getting an all-purpose white wine glass an all-purpose red 
they're by Rydal, which mm-hmm. is like a good, not only is it a good brand, whatever, but it's a brand that's not going to go out of business, hopefully, because that's another thing that happens inevitably you break the glasses and I've broken many of the glasses and like you have to just move on yeah but um it was really easy to replace them with the exact same you know make and model instead of going back and being like I bought this glass and now that pattern is gone or that shape is gone and now I have this one weird like I have five of these and two of those can can we talk about volume in terms of like how many to register for when it comes to like I'd say both glassware and silverware and plates like I think that's something people struggle with to know the right amount. I think that your your rule is a really good one. How do you entertain now? Yeah. You know, and how are do you feel limited or is it just like that's that's how you do it? So if you're someone who loves to have dinner with one other couple or four or six but you're not hosting holiday meals then I think like eight is great interesting my mom I think for plates we did 12 which felt good for us but then for silverware we did 16 because Mm. she's like you're gonna just lose them okay so what do you do for silver just, it was like an everyday like silverware? Yeah, we just have everyday silverware. That's all we have. Um, 16 And is we have 16. I don't know. Maybe like there might be like a mystery stolen forks in our future. I'm not sure, really sure that why. That happens. But um, have plenty of forks now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not running out of forks. Nope. No, Great you don't forks. want like an amount. I have a friend who's a... Well, he's finally, I think, in a in a in a committed relationship. He's the same age as we are, and he um, was bachelor forever until like last year. And I would go over to his house, and he had two 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 plates. Yeah, he had two glasses. He had the fork and the knife, and like a colander and a pot and a thing. And I am just like, how how are you even living like this? You know? He's like, it's just me. I I I go out with my friends and I cook for myself at home. <laughs> Like one that might be dirty and one that's the next one I use. I was like, I can't relate to that at all. But it works for him. It worked for him. I think it's also about how much storage you have. You know, if you have a limited amount of storage, then I think you have to maximize your everyday items. And that ultimately was like how I feel about having um, crystal wine glasses. We drink out of juice glasses. We drink wine out of juice glasses like 95% of the time and I did the same thing eventually I went to West Elm or somewhere and bought like two dollar little rocks glasses and and I did the same with Ikea at a different point in my life but my thing with the with the crystal wine glasses is don't wait for the special occasion like you got these wine glasses somebody gave them to you because they were on your registry so you better use them use them on a Tuesday use them on a Friday like I try to use that stuff all the time and not have it in some deep storage where you forgot it existed. Yeah. Love that advice. You have to go a little bit fun though, right? Like what were, what would you consider to be a potentially frivolous item that you should kind of maybe do it anyway? Okay. I am like a very practical person, like to a fault. So Maybe it wasn't I had a you. Very, Maybe it was a friend. Very edited down registry, uh-huh. but like, I just this is still kind of in the practicality range. But you can have fun with them. Platters, love platters. <laughs> you can have really fun looking platters. I know everyone's listening is going to be like, Carrie, this no, is your response. Platters, really? No, that's not because that's the one thing that most people don't have any platters and big serving bowls. 
I love a platter. Nancy Silverton came and did a podcast with us when she released her last cookbook, Moza at Home. And she entertains big all the time. She goes real big. And she talked at length about how platters have enabled her as a hostess to do these really wonderful buffets where the food is, is she's not killing herself with the food. The food has been made in advance. But platters everywhere. That's such a great way to plan in your future life to be a host. And also to have things that like you can get the red for the platter totally. you know you can get something that's like bright and pops oh something else that's not frivolous but like more than you would spend probably with your own money but really you shouldn't and this isn't kitchen but it is important nice sheets love you're in them every night <laughs> why would you get cheap sheets when you can get really luxurious sheets so cheap glasses expensive sheets yes that is my that's motto. your motto yes did you have any weddings that you attended? So you're, you're having gone to 25 in five years. That means you also like scrolled through a lot of registries. So many. What were the things that that everybody does that no one should do? Okay. Okay. I have to admit that I have been extremely judgmental towards very dear <laughs> friends of mine who will remain nameless about certain items they chose, which they would never know about because I just don't buy them for them. Yeah. One, just wanted to make a shout out. People still love cash. No problem with cash. If you're not finding things that you want to buy people on a registry, no one's going to just turn down cold, hard money. But if you want to go the registry route, I believe that Alton Brown uses the term unitasker to mm -hmm. describe things that have only one purpose. Some unitaskers are worth it, but there are a few things that I'm just going to go ahead and say don't need to exist. Avocado slicer. You know what else you can slice an avocado with? A knife. A knife. Which is a great thing to register for. Wonderful thing Be, to register by for. By the way. And we have on bonappetit.com some of our favorite, just the multi-purpose, the workhorse knives. That Mac knife, which is a great, terrific eight-inch kind of utility knife. That is probably something that you need the upgrade. Yeah. And I would say the best thing, if you're not sure what knives to get, even after reading our wonderful resources on knives, is stores will let you try them out. So What? Um, yeah. That's what I did. Are you kidding? Yeah. I went to Bed Bath & Beyond and tried out the knives. They have like loaner knives? No. I mean, you, you can't you take them home, but you oh. can put them in your hand and like feel oh. it out. You have to put because, a knife in your hand yeah. before you buy it. Have to. Like the weights vary so much and you don't know like... If you want a seven inch or an eight inch, I happen to have both because I think they're good for different purposes. But if you're not as weird about knives as Carla and I are, like just you got to try it out. That's really important. Yeah. Going back to sheets again with the metaphor of of the life of oh. the things should last as long as the life of the marriage. Mm -hmm. Linen sheets are a wonderful and fantastic thing. And they I never got into them until in my m maturity now. But there's a bunch of like, I think in this online world that we're living in, there's more companies selling linen sheets at a affordable price. And they're like one of the, the daily luxuries that it just doesn't get old. Which, if you are finding them online, if any of those brands happen to be on Amazon, I think Amazon is pretty much the best place to register for. Oh, really? Because... You're still going to get stuff you don't want. Even right. if you put it on your registry, you're going to decide you don't like it or people are just going to get you stuff off registry even right. if you encourage people not to do that. But if it all comes from Amazon, you can return and you will always use money for something else on Amazon. Totally. Instead of having gift cards from sort of more specific retailers that you don't necessarily have other things you want to buy, Amazon's always there for you. 
All right. So what are some of the things that like you just you might be tempted, but you need to just just keep moving with your zapper and don't zap that thing. Um, Espresso machines. I mean, if you make a lot of espresso, go for it. If I don't you don't, think if yeah. you make a lot of espresso, you already have an espresso machine. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. So I don't think you know. So it's no no zap on espresso machine. It's just they take a lot of lot of counter space. I would say no zap for anything that feels like it's creating a solution for a problem that doesn't exist. I think that's like a whole category of mm. of kitchen things like. You know, there's all these cutting boards where, like, that can be your meat one and that can be your vegetable one. Like, just get a couple cutting boards you like and figure it out yourself or just do a good job washing them. Like, um, <laughs> no cutting boards on footers and no glass cutting boards. Never glass. I would say do not get any slate cheese server. I hope I'm not offending anyone. I do have a slate cheese server. It was something that was before my marriage. I do use it, but you know what else you could use instead? A platter. <laughs> Espresso machines, coffee machines, though, different. There's so many really awesome drip coffee machines that are kind of expensive. And if you have it, that's a good upgrade. Like if you have just a kind of whatever run of the mill entry level drip coffee and you love coffee, that is like a, another daily luxury that I would think is worth exploring. On that note, big fan of our electric tea kettle. Love. It makes tea so fast. Ours has a setting where you can choose what kind of tea you're yeah. making. It's a good gift. Yes. And when the gas goes out, you Always can still make your hot water. Yeah. Um, I have the Breville that has, it's pretty all in. And it has different temperatures for different types of tea. And a little basket. So you actually put loose tea in that basket. And when it hits the right time or temperature, it dunks it in the hot water for the right amount of time. And then it lifts it out. Oh, that's good. It's kind of amazing. That's a real set it and forget it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. What about, you talked about bed linens. What about table linens? Okay. This is just like an adult confession I need to have. We are not there yet, <laughs> but I really am embarrassed about it. Do you use paper napkins or paper okay, towels? This or is like, towels? this is just like personal problem, personal, not real problem in Carrie's life right now is that we've been on the hunt for, uh, this is like too embarrassing to even say, um, <laughs> We, like, don't have a tablecloth. We don't even have paper napkins, and, like, we're having dinner parties and giving people paper towels or just, like, throwing napkins. It doesn't matter because you have platters. Yes. Platters are going to save everything. Platters. Having platters and paper napkins, I think, is better than serving people in, like, the pot that it was cooked in, you know? Unless it's your Le Creuset, which looks really pretty. Unless it was the Le Creuset, which you plan to bring to the table anyway. But... I don't have enough platters. I'm like getting nervous about not having platters now talking to you. I have two platters that I bought when I had a big party because I was like, I don't have platters. And I now have to buy platters so I can have this party that I've already planning. This was like four years ago. But this is like a great thing to find your, like, that's when you actually wouldn't put something on a registry. That's when you'd find like a ceramicist you love or like support a local shop to get something really cool. Totally. I love that idea. Okay. If you're not ready for linen napkins or cloth napkins or whatever yeah also no problem but i would suggest getting them i'm just behind cool they're hard to find it's really hard to find ones that you like we got also we got 
placemats as a wedding gift and we used them for 15 years and then when they eventually they were like rattan and they died we were like we lost yeah we, forever we just don't use placemats yeah. yeah my husband loves a placemat so last thing i'm going to say i think that um kitchen towels is a great thing yes to get because you can get a lot of them and there's something so again luxurious about feeling like you don't just have the three kitchen towels that don't match and have burn holes in them which all of mine have but to like find ones that are sturdy and then you know what you can use those as cloth napkins in a pinch this is a great idea this has saved everything (laughs) i feel like we didn't even get into blenders and vitamixes (gasps) and everything we didn't um vitamix great okay what about cuisinart if you are an active home cook I think there's an argument for having a food processor, a KitchenAid stand mixer, and, and a blender or Vitamix, depending I agree. on if you cook often enough that you'd use all of them. I would say all of that. And then the only other appliance that I didn't get when I got married because I didn't like know to think about it or anything is a pressure cooker or pressure cooker, slow cooker, or an Instant Pot. I think that those deliver over time in a way that will will pay off and you won't regret it but again it comes to space it's not the first thing i would get someone or the first thing i would put on my registry cuisinart blender kitchenaid yep optional pressure cooker slow cooker combo agreed cool cool so this year is 19 for me years of matrimony i think that for our 20th, we should renew our vows so I can re-register because it just sounds really fun. And there's things I'm missing. It's nice to get things that you know you're going to be using for a long time. I need more platters. I'll just do it for the platters. Maybe we should renew our vows at year three so I can get some cloth napkins. (laughs) It's a plan. Deal. Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies with additional music by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. ASMR. So <laughs> Yes. The sound of our voices. Butter on a skillet. They'll lull you to sleep. <laughs> Are we recording? I hope we're recording. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice.